Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So you remember those early days of the pandemic? I know. I don't like thinking about that time either. A lot of folks were suffering So much so that the federal government ended up making big changes to some essential programs. For one, the Supplementary Nutrition Assistance Program, a.k.a. SNAP, FKA food stamps. They gave people using that program a little extra money to help pay for their groceries. The pandemic bump almost made the program sort of enough to eat on for a month. Oh, my God. God forbid people in this country should eat. (laughs) That's Carrie Chapman, the Senior Director of Litigation and Advocacy at the Legal Council for Health Justice. She thinks about food assistance a lot, as well as Medicaid, which is the federal health insurance program that serves lower-income folks. There were also significant changes to that. So during the pandemic, in order to ensure that people had continuous access to coverage and therefore health care, The federal government told states that if they wanted enhanced money for the program, they had to stop doing those annual redeterminations. So something that always happened in the past for folks stopped happening during the pandemic. Basically, if you were accessing Medicaid over the last three years, you no longer had to prove that you were eligible every month. No more redeterminations. And maybe you can tell where this is going. Now they are starting again. Some big changes in Medicaid enrollment could result in millions of people losing their insurance. Millions of people nationwide and hundreds of thousands here in Illinois are expected to lose their coverage. So it is not a process by which the federal government is like, it's now time to cut a bunch of people off of Medicaid. It's a process by which we're restarting the renewals um, that we always used to do and that we'll have to do going forward. Now that federal officials have declared an end to the COVID-19 public health emergency, we're returning to the status quo. Which means people are losing their Medicaid coverage and they're receiving a fraction of the SNAP benefits they've come to rely on in the past few years. It's happening all over the country. Some 15 million Americans may lose Medicaid coverage in the coming months. Nearly 30 million Americans bracing for a significant cut in their monthly food stamp benefits. So today we're going to talk about why and why now. With inflation, high grocery prices and mental health issues increasing, is the status quo really good enough? Carrie is going to get into all that, starting with Medicaid. So in Illinois and in every state, we expect that there are going to be some procedural terminations, which means that folks are going to be terminated who remain eligible, either because they didn't respond to the redetermination notice timely or because there was a snafu on the state side in processing um, their redeterminations. And so we are going to see some folks who are still eligible who are off. This has already happened in some states Um, Can you just get into how big of a problem this has been so far? So um, there are a number of states who are joyful at the thought of people losing Medicaid, whether properly or by an administrative termination. 
Um, and they have aggressively started their redetermination process within the boundaries that the federal government has set for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are definitely seeing um, rates in some states, particularly among children, of something like 50 to 80 percent termination at renewal, um, even though we know that that's not the rate of ineligibility. Um, Mercifully, in Illinois, we have a robust Medicaid program um, and a fantastic and hardworking state um, agency that runs it, or two agencies, really, the Department of Healthcare and Family Services, which I refer to as HFS, and the Department of Human Services, DHS. Mm -hmm. Um, And those agencies in Illinois are actually working really hard to make sure that people who are still eligible stay on Medicaid. So the first letters went out May 1st, um, which was a, a acceptable within the federal mandates, but not the most aggressive timeline possible, right? Mm-hmm. We took our time getting ready to make sure that that first round went as smoothly as possible. Mm-hmm. And the state is working closely with the Medicaid managed care organizations and also with all sorts of healthcare providers and advocacy organizations like mine to really get the word out about redeterminations to try to make those administrative termination numbers as low as possible. So I'm incredibly grateful to work in um, a state like Illinois where everybody is on the same page. We want eligible people to be able to stay on. Okay. Um, Just kind of zooming back out to the national piece of this conversation, uh, I have a a quote here from the governor in Arkansas, which is (laughs) one of the states where people are are losing their their Medicaid benefits en masse. Um, She said on Twitter that, quote, those who do not qualify for Medicaid are taking resources from those who need them. Um, How does that sentiment land for you? So it's reasonably frustrating to hear, Mm. um, although certainly not surprising. Um, I think it is an inaccurate statement because it doesn't reflect how difficult it is to administer these programs and how poorly funded human services are in most states. So um, I think it's important to understand that if you intentionally defund your human services and then you ask them to do a massive undertaking like redetermine all of your Medicaid um, enrollees and you do it on the fastest possible time frame that the federal government will allow, that it is not merely about um, individual enrollees somehow not doing something that they're supposed to do, but you've essentially created a system designed to fail Mm -hmm. that then you can point your finger at and say it fails And then the other thing that I always find frustrating in talking about Medicaid is that, you know, nobody is like stuffing dollar bills under their mattress because they have Medicaid, right? They're accessing health care that they need. Nobody's going in and getting a triple bypass that doesn't need it because Mm -hmm. I have Medicaid, so I'll take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so it's a frustrating thing for me. Just generally speaking, I I think health care is a human right. And you can't access health care in this country without health coverage. And so somehow the idea that like, OK, so you're 5 percent over the income limit and by God, what you're getting is health care. Well, OK, oh. for a little bit longer because we created a system that's meant to work a little bit better and not just cut people off randomly. Like that's a social cost I'm willing to bear. Very similar conversation around another public aid program that has seen some cuts in the last few months, which is SNAP. (laughs) Um, The COVID era funding boost ended earlier this year in March in Illinois. What's been happening for families in the state whose benefits have dwindled from that program? 
So that is a really difficult situation. Um, so in fact, everybody who got a pandemic boost in their SNAP benefits every month mm-hmm. is losing that, and they're going back to their original SNAP allotment. Um, and unless something is incorrect in your household membership or your income, which affects the amount of SNAP that you get, if that's all correct, then you know losing the pandemic bump is is just the reality that you're going to have to experience. The challenge with SNAP is the challenge with all human services programs, which is that we sort of fund them at the the most mean and and you know miserly level. Mm-hmm. So SNAP is not enough to make a family food secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the pandemic bump almost made the program sort of enough to eat on for a <laughs> month. Oh, my God. God forbid Imagine. people in this country should eat. <laughs> um, and um, so now it's going back down to its previous level, um, which is very difficult to eat on. If you've ever tried to eat on a SNAP allotment for your family size, particularly in light of grocery uh, cost inflation, mm-hmm. um, you would find it really difficult um, and even more challenging because, um, you know, you, the way to live on SNAP is to do things like buy dried beans and buy rice, yes. et cetera. Um, and so you have to have an appropriate kitchen to cook those items in. You have to be able to store them. Um, you have to know how to cook them. Um, and so it's really not only are the amounts too low, but the reality of that kind of grocery shopping is mm-hmm. discordant with the way the world works. Mm-hmm. But this is how it, it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. So hopefully what it does is makes people understand um, that these are choices that we make. We decide in this country that we think it is okay for people to be hungry. We don't think it's necessarily okay for them to starve. Hmm. But we have made a policy decision to provide food support that is inadequate mm-hmm. to avoid hunger. And so when – People got a bump and then go back down. I hope that it raises awareness about the policy choice we make so that at least if we're going to make it, we're making it intentionally. And it would be my preference to make a better one. (laughs) Um, Both with SNAP and Medicaid, folks are having to rely on other sources for food, other ways to get medical care for themselves, for their families. What is that looking like as far as you're seeing? So for food, we're seeing and we were seeing this generally speaking, with just food inflation, um, tremendous stress on our food pantries. Um, You know, they're seeing a huge increase in people coming and presenting who are food insecure and need food. Um, That is also an infrastructure, you know, that we we fund as much as we see fit. Um, But the other challenge about that is that food pantries aren't always accessible. Um, So you can live in areas of Chicago where a food pantry is not particularly accessible. And if a food pantry is a train and two bus rides away, right – it's difficult to grocery shop <laughs> um, on a train and two buses, right? Like I, I don't grocery shop that way because it's very difficult and I, I have another choice. Yeah. Um, you leave and, with empty hands. You come back with full bags. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That you're then schlepping. Yes. Um, and in rural areas, the same thing can be true, is that it's just really difficult to access a food pantry. So they're fantastic. I love our food pantries, but they do not have all of the support that they need, and they are not always accessible for folks. So we're just seeing an increase in hunger um, as a practical matter. 
With healthcare, um, I, we're certainly going to see folks who do not pursue either preventative care, which is, of course, the cheapest care for the country and the best care for human bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so people are going to present sicker because they don't have access to preventative care. Um, and then we're also seeing um, – we're going to see an increased strain on our safety net hospitals and on our federally qualified health centers that provide sliding scale care to individuals. Um, so I think we will both see a sort of um, withdrawal from the healthcare system from folks who no longer have coverage. And then we will see increased financial strain on systems that are already strained to mm-hmm. provide care. Is the state of Illinois or, or the city of Chicago, as far as you know, um, bringing any funding into these institutions that are kind of filling in, trying to fill in these gaps? So there's definitely been talk um, at the state level about the sort of needs of food pantries. And Mm -hmm. so I think that is a funding discussion that's happening. So I think there is some acknowledgement um, that there is still outstanding need and still outstanding need generated by the pandemic. But there is also, I think, an acceptance that we're not we're just going back to the status quo ante, to use a legal term, right? We're just going back to the way things were before, mm. um, which, you know, frankly, most of us found acceptable, right? We This is how we lived. I mean, some of us fought that for sure. Yeah. But like as a as a state, we said, OK, we can live with this level of, mm. of you know, harm and need. Mm. It's so interesting in the context of you know, that desire to get back to whatever normalcy is, yes. you know, but like that that means this too. You Absolutely. Know. Right. Um, and of course, we understand that impulse. All of us mm-hmm. want less disruption. But I think what those of us working for social change want to see is that we learn from moments of disruption Yes, and that we, you know, kind of come back better rather than um, just going back, falling back on policy decisions that we made previously that harmed folks. Um, and I'm also hopeful that one of the things that the pandemic exposed, it didn't create it, but it exposed to a much broader audience the significant racial health inequities mm. that exist in, for example, Cook County. Um, and I think the same thing can be said of both SNAP and Medicaid generally, um, is that they reflect the realities and the outcome of structural racism. And so I hope that as part of our discussion about what is fair and reasonable, um, we incorporate into that an understanding that it was racism that built much of this um, unfairness and miserliness Mm -hmm. um, and that we look at that and decide whether that's who we want to be going forward. Carrie Chapman is the Senior Director of Litigation and Advocacy at the Legal Council for Health Justice. Carrie, thank you so much. Surely. Cuts to the SNAP program is a story we are thinking about a lot these days, and it's something we're going to get into a little bit more in a future conversation. And I'd love to incorporate your experience and your thoughts on the matter. How have changes to SNAP affected you or folks you know? Maybe you have thoughts in general about food access. Send us an email at therundownpod at wbez.org. 
And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Haley Bloomquist was the engineer for this episode and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. If you like the show, leave us a review. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. 